0: Well, hey, welcome to a bonus episode of Amen Brother Ben, the podcast that keeps you focused on God and acting like Jesus. If you're not following us on social media, you may be going, hey, where's the new episodes? Well, we took a week off, a Sabbath week, where I I took off from the podcast uh, to rest, uh, to think about what's next for the podcast. And uh, so I didn't wanna leave you totally hanging with no new content. And I happened to be able to have a conversation not long ago with a gentleman by the name of Corey Gaston. He's a friend of a friend uh, that I got to begin talking to about the issue of race relations, which has been a hot topic in 2020 and how Christians should act. and and how we should think about these things and it's it was interesting because uh this is a man who is an educator Uh, so he's in the school systems he's he's an administrator uh, for a christian school he's a believer devout uh and in fact he's he teaches theology uh and higher level christian things at uh, at colleges in north carolina and he also uh, served in the military uh, and served i believe in the marines uh, that we got to talk uh, a little bit about that and he's also an african-american and so that means he has a perspective that might be a little different than what you might think different than the polar polarized views of one side or another that we see uh, on social media and on tv and so uh, i happen to be able to talk to him but of course because th- this is my luck um Uh, I missed about two-thirds of the conversation recording-wise we talked for like an hour such good conversation he got to fill me in on the background of who he is Uh, and then and then I realized oh look it's not recording right Uh, so I got about half an hour (laughs) Uh, the last half an hour so if he's Uh, referencing things. You're like, what is he talking about? And maybe he's referencing or I'm referencing something that we talked about earlier that did not get recorded. But I wanted to give you as much as I could of this conversation uh, with him because it's so good for us as believers uh, to put our Christianity first and to not think like a Democrat or a Republican or a white person or a black person first, but that we think about things uh, through the eyes and through the lens of the Bible and through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And so it was such a Uh, I don't know, encouraging, uh, convicting conversation that I had with Corey. And again, I know a lot of it, a lot of the good stuff you won't get to hear, uh, but there's a lot still that I got recorded that I think will be a benefit to you in your conversations that hopefully you're having and that you're bringing the gospel and the light and the love of Jesus Christ into these conversations in your life. So we're going to jump in right when we began talking about the genesis of Black Lives Matter and the retort of All Lives Matter. And I kind of asked him what he felt about Uh, somebody saying back to him, uh, all lives matter. So that's where we're picking up with Corey Gaston on this bonus episode of Amen Brother Ben. Check it out.
1: Everybody's life should matter. And the reason that the phrase popped out is because an entire community of people do not feel as though their lives matter by the people uh, that they're around and having the rebuttal of all lives matter or blue lives matter. Yeah, I get them all. I I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't believe that there's a such thing as a blue life because I can take off that uniform. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't strip the skin and I can't yeah. strip the bigotry that comes along with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, when I was in the military and I was in Hong Kong, not Hong Kong, uh, in uh, Nagasaki. And we had visited Peace Park where the Enola Gay dropped the atom bomb. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: if I didn't wish to be identified as a service member, I could just take off my uniform. Uh-huh. And I got spit on on the subway because we represented the United States. Mm. But I didn't get that same treatment when I took that uniform off. Mm.
2: Um,
1: I was just a either an expat or a person who was there visiting on furlough or whatever.
2: Right. But when
1: I was in uniform, I had an entirely different perception. Mm. And so I think we need to be careful to not conflate someone's lived experience as an occupation.
2: Yeah. That's and true. so
1: you know that, and that's that's coming from a person who loves my, my brothers in blue. Like I got a ton mm-hmm. of friends yeah. <laughs> like that were law enforcement. You know, that was one of my secondary roles in the military was, you know, military police. yeah. Uh, but you know, I think we need to be careful and uh, not allow the emotions of that to conflate, uh, um, someone's lived life experience with the profession that I chose. Um, yeah. I'm a, I'm an educator. I chose their profession. I knew we weren't going to get paid much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in ministry. I know that there's some dudes up there that take advantage of God's people. Um, When I was in the military, there were some people that I served with that should never have been given the opportunity to wear a uniform ever again. Mm.
2: Um,
1: Mm. I think we need to be intellectually honest that there are people in all of my professions that I've ever worked in that are dishonorable. And they do not uphold the high values of an organization and being unwilling to hold those people accountable mars the entirety of it. Mm. Um, But for some reason we cannot stratify um, that to other organizations uh, like the ones I just mentioned.
0: Yeah. So do you think, um, you know, as we, we touch on the the law enforcement side of it, um, you know, a lot of, uh, that's where a lot of the tension rises and a lot of the arguments come from um, as far as like what's, What, what is, what defines that, that type of systematic racism or is there, so do you, do you believe that there is, cause you just said yourself that there are, there are people that we need to hold accountable in in every profession. Um, and so you, are you, is that kind of where you're at when it comes to police officers? Or do you think that there is more underlying issues, uh, with that, that, that need attention? I'm like that with people because systems are made of people.
1: Yes. yes. People can change. Therefore systems can change. Yeah. But also we, we must not miss the point that since systems are made of people, that people also shape these things Mm -hmm. and who allows what I mean. So my, my doctoral um, program is all about strategic leadership. And what I know about leadership is this leadership sets the tone for everything. Yeah. And whomever is, allowing certain things to pass as okay. Mm -hmm. Um, That culture is built. So if you are, you're a pastor of a church, right? Yes, sir. All right. So imagine if you had some deacons or some board members Mm -hmm. um, that were less than honest and you knew about it Mm -hmm. and you allowed those things to slide. And all of a sudden a church member maybe got wind of it and they brought it to your attention. Well, you dismissed it because if you admit to them that you knew, you're complicit.
2: Uh
1: And and then now you as the pastor of the church are going to be looked at in ill repute. But imagine if you are unaware of it, that is not the leadership and that is not the culture that you cultivated. Uh And someone brings up a grievance and then you address it. um, That means that it's not an organizational problem, that it was an individual problem. But if the organization is nasty from the top down, then it's mm. no longer an individual problem. It's an organizational problem. Yeah. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Yes, And so if, if leadership is unwilling to address the, the wrongs of an individual mm. and hold those individuals accountable, mm. um, then they are as complicit as the system that allowed these people to do these egregious things. Interesting. And oh. so I think it's, I think yeah. it's careful. I mean, you, it's yeah. gotta be careful. Um, because I mean, if my pastor knew that somebody was doing dirt in the church staff mm-hmm. and he was in on it or just allowed it because he didn't want to be scrutinized by the, yeah. by the others, the other subordinates. And then all of a sudden the stuff hits the fan and mm-hmm. it comes out that he knew about it. Well, he's losing his job too. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it's just a matter of what type of, Culture? Do you wish to cultivate? And so, um, of course, every organization is, doesn't have to be God honoring because I mean, not every person in our country is God honoring. Yeah, right. But in in those institutions uh, where stuff happens like that, we just have to be honest with um, like if something broken, fix it. Yeah. Um, don't don't him and haw about it. Just just fix it. You know. Yeah. And but I think we're unwilling to do that, and that's where. Um, we see like partisanship over like, pro- like party over people, yeah. profit over people, mm-hmm. progress over people, mm-hmm. all those things uh, should never come at the expense of people. Yeah. But unfortunately that's where we, that's where we live.
0: Yeah. And, and depending on which side of the aisle or what, what group you affiliate with, it, it could be a different thing, but it's still putting something else over, over the, over the person. Um, yeah. And that, and that, so I can see that, with with that, that's why it's so important for our churches, um, to to make sure that we're 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 going in into those uncomfortable conversations, putting our putting our um our desire for comfort and you know, I think a lot of us they just don't want to have these conversations. They don't they don't want to talk about that and and, and acknowledge some of these these things. And, you know, I think that we can we weapon we we throw out the baby with the bathwater sometimes when it comes to a a, a an issue like um you know like a lot because a lot of folks are like well this is all just you know marxists topple the system and i know that there are people that would rather our whole system be toppled but oh sure but that doesn't I'm not one of them. right well and i and i don't think most of the people that that are calling for some of these changes are I'm sure there are some at the top. I'm sure there's some here and there, but, but oh, mo- yeah. most people want the, the, the thing that we've been talking about, which is that the, uh, especially as Christians, which is why, you know, uh, this whole thing, I'm glad you've prefaced this throughout, uh, about our Christianity, because obviously a, this conversation would is going to be shared among Christian brothers. And I think we have a, a unique, um, calling and we're in a unique position uh to to do something about that and and to like you said be a peculiar uh set of people but i think that um that doesn't stop like just because there are people in that movement or in a movement whatever you know you fill in the blank whatever side of of what you tend to to lean to um that just because there are people that are are have some ulterior motives here that doesn't stop uh the it doesn't stop the goal, right? That doesn't stop what. um Yeah, I don't know if that makes you, any sense. You hit
1: the nail on the head. It does. You hit the nail on the head. It's like you know, throwing a baby out with the bathwater, right? Mm-hmm. So we there's and so like hearing the term Marxist um is not new. I mean, like they called Dr. King a Marxist, mm-hmm. and now we celebrate him every January. Yeah, Um but the reason that things and people get called Marxists is just, is because they are threatening the status quo. Yeah. And unfortunately, again, unfortunately, these things only come up when people have to raise their voices so loud to be heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. because this is not a new conversation. Mm. You know, so like the civil rights, equal rights. It's like mm-hmm. that's all people really want is to be treated like everybody else. Right. You know, you know, hold Junior accountable in the same way we hold Ray Ray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, mm-hmm. simple. Like when Ray Ray kills Junebug in the hood, mm-hmm. we know good and well Ray Ray going to jail. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to speak in a different vernacular for a moment Approval <laughs> point. Right. right. So Ray Ray shot Junebug. Ray is going to jail. But when John shoots Ray Ray in the line of duty because he couldn't get this guy to to do this or, or like this newest one who a guy was intervening in a domestic dispute. And he thought he was special. So he was trying to explain what happened. He gets tased. Next thing you know, he's gone. This guy was not anybody's radar as a threat, but because of the perceivability of threat, um, this guy is no longer with us. Right. And unfortunately that story is all too common. And so I don't know what will happen. I can only tell you what has happened in the past. And the reason that people are upset today is not because of something that happened on Thursday of last week. It's because of something that's been happening since 1865. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a history yeah. of we ain't getting it. And yeah. so after, after generations of generations, like, cause I'm, I'm having the same conversations that my grandparents were having. have the same conversations that my great grandparents would have and they were children of slaves Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: so I mean and that's three generations my man Mm -hmm. that's three generations so if we're talking three generations Mm -hmm. removed from somebody being property and we're talking about the same issues in 2020 one would assume that maybe the people that are bringing these things up are tired, frustrated, angry even Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and it's not that like, I don't condone any type of stupidity. But at some point, somebody's got to incline an ear yeah. and, and lean in and figure out like you're doing. Mm-hmm. So tell me about this. Right? Yeah. Now, we can we can um, we can intellectualize and we can hypothesize and do all the mental stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, is that somebody still died the other day because of systems that are still broken. Yeah. And so the people like myself, where this does not affect me at a personal level, it affects me at a mental level. I got you know two little brown boys that are going to grow up and have to brave the same world that we're currently living in. And right now I don't feel safe to leave them alone in Target uh, because of crazy people. Yeah. I really don't. That's just being yeah. absolutely honest. Um, somebody could say that they did something say that they did this or I have I run scenarios in my mind when I'm working out you know if I see somebody on the street by themselves do I give them as wide a berth as possible so that there could be nothing misconstrued I count how many houses have green cameras on them so that I can if in the event that somebody said I did something I know the houses that saw me on a timestamp.
2: Mm. you know
1: like unfortunately these are things that I, I think of and I, the reason I think of that is because in February, when I started working out um, at my doctor's request, um, I was working out early in the morning before school. And I got followed three times in my neighborhood, very middle-class, suburban mm-hmm. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I got followed three times. And so I stopped walking in my neighborhood. I started going to a local school and, and walking on the track on the weekends and other times. Mm-hmm. And so in my own community, and this is before the Ahmad Arbery stuff mm-hmm. happened where he was out running and got shot. And so these are things that I have to formulate in my mind as to how to navigate daily life. And those things are a daily reality for me um, because somebody sees me and thinks I'm suspicious at 530 in the morning in obvious workout gear with iPhone headphones hanging out of my head mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm moving my body. Um, that was a reality for me. So I changed my activity mm. because of that. And so those experiences then shape how I perceive proceed yeah so i mean and that's that's just life for me so uh, i mean i have two daughters um that i don't worry about stuff with them quite as much but with my two boys i do because that's the demographic of people that keep finding themselves entangled Mm -hmm. and so helping them navigate this world is important
0: yeah yeah Do, do you think that um our hyper awareness, uh, through stuff like, uh, you still there? Did I lose you for a second? Sorry. I I got a phone call. And I didn't
1: know. I uh, I saw the, uh, I saw the, the logo.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the, so do you think that the hyper awareness of, of, you know, social media and us finding out about these things happening, Um, do you think to me there's there's two possible things that 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 could have an effect on that could either a give us a more accurate picture of uh, what life is like for for on a wide scale for certain groups of people you know people color and stuff like that or do you think it's exaggerates the anecdotal stuff and makes it makes it seem worse than maybe it really is because we've heard we the news cycle has been dominated by a handful of cases that have gotten more um coverage than others and so do you or which again I'm, I'm not estimating one way or another but i'm just curious because that feels like two separate things that could come from us being hyper connected like we are
1: yeah, I think, I think, again, the Leonard Ravenhill quote of two truths can exist at the same time. Right. I think that our the advent of social media has done a few, forget social media, the advent of technology, yeah. where it's now available in the palm of my hand and mm-hmm. I can get notifications of this and, this and this and this and this since around 2006 has been unique because it wasn't until recently to where we were instantly aware of everything right but I think so to some degree I believe the second part of your statement is also true we are hyper aware because we have the ability to be aware Mm -hmm. but I also agree that having the advent of the same technology has now made people um, has brought to light the instances that happen um, because for me, and for a lot of other people, this is not new. So, I remember the Rodney King
2: yeah.
1: uh, LA riots.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: remember um, watching those LAPD police officers beat this dude 80-some times for driving too fast in a Hyundai. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Right. Like, And then I remember the court case where he got a million dollars per lick. Mm-hmm. And almost bankrupted the city because they found that to be uh, extremely over the top, excessive use of force, right? That was, that was 92. Right. Mm -hmm. In 1992, I was a teenager. I was 14. I remember hearing about this in my local community. I remember experiencing um, profiling when I would go to Easton mall, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina, it's mm-hmm. no longer there. I remember being followed around the store because I fit the description. I remember all these things, and these are not anecdotal because it's my life experience, right? And caveat on anecdotal: um, when I was in graduate school, um, I had to do a lot of research, right? Reading a lots
2: mm-hmm. of
1: um, lots of research, and I was in a class. It was called counseling the culturally diverse, um, and this book was written by two doctors, Dr. Daryl Sue and Dr. David Sue, and they conducted interviews in order to gather data, which is how we gather data for anything. Sure. Anecdotal is nothing more than an interview.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> like mm-hmm. so
1: like you're doing an interview right now, you could take this and compile it along with several others, and this anecdotal information that you're receiving could be used to create data. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I think we need to be careful, um, especially listeners or or folks to not take seriously someone's personal account, because that's exactly what the data reflects someone's personal account of Mm -hmm. these things that happen in real life. Right. Mm -hmm. So my experiences have shaped who I am as a 41 year old man. And I've experienced these things. It still does not change my biblical worldview and outlook on life, but I would be foolish if I didn't take into account these things that have made me. Right. And so, but in 1992, everybody didn't have a phone in their pocket and the same stuff was happening. You know, I think now we just have the ability to see what's taking place. Like I never thought I would ever witness someone get killed on Facebook live. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, that's ridiculous, you know, but Mm -hmm. I think there's also something that needs to be taken into account is that the enemy of our soul really wants us to become desensitized and
2: lose
1: the ability to sympathize with others made in the image of God. And so I should never see anyone murdered and find a way to justify their death. I should never be so cold or so callous to see someone mistreated and treated egregiously and find a way to dismiss them and their community. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately seeing these things so much to where we're used to them. And I never want to get comfortable seeing murder. Yeah. I never want to get comfortable seeing someone's life uh be devalued by others. I never want to get yeah. that comfortable with that type of sin. And mm-hmm. so um I tell that to my students all the time, it's like, you know, and I weep for this generation because they're growing up where this is normal.
0: Yeah. You know, they see, see they see stuff at, at an age that you and I, I'm, I'm about seven years younger than you, but I'm still in that yeah. generation. I remember pre-internet, you know, um, and yeah, <laughs> and so it's, it's a big shift. It's a big difference. Um, so, uh, oh, I had a good question. Um, you, you were talking and it got me wondering about something else. Um, well, for instance, do you, th- and you with some, with some experience with, um, with law enforcement and and with you know be, being being the badge i mean you know so so to speak you're not, you're not necessarily a, a police officer but but being an enforcer of the law at some point um let's take for instance this uh Breonna taylor incident um what what do you feel about that i mean again i've heard I've heard lots of different, you know, the facts and the. I've heard one magazine say this, and another magazine say this, and and we can all agree that the loss of life is 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 again we we we've become desensitized. We never, yep. but you know, as a Christian, you never want that. You never, to you know, you never should not care about that. But, but with her situation, well, I mean, what do you do? You think that there needs to be more. Uh, Handed down? Do you think there was an injustice that occurred there? Or was it a, just a tragedy and an accident? You know?
1: So I, I don't think her death was racially motivated. Okay. I do think it was ignorantly motivated. Um, we know that the people were at the wrong house, executing the wrong mm-hmm. uh, no-knock warrant, 10 miles the wrong direction. Yeah. Um, I believe that that in of itself if someone breaks into my home, um, because that's exactly what it is. Nobody yeah. knows you're doing yeah. your job at mm. two o'clock in the morning. Right. You know, If I'm upstairs there, sleep, my kids are asleep, my wife's asleep, and I hear somebody kick in my door, yeah. I have a 380 underneath my bed for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's not there for giggles. Yeah. I have that yeah. weapon there in the event that something stupid like that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. And so it, Uh, without having the full breadth of knowledge of the situation and hearing someone violently interrupt my sleep, Mm -hmm. um, going on to the offensive is anything that anybody Mm -hmm. would do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think what what happened to Breonna Taylor with her succumbing to the injuries of gunshot wounds is highly unfortunate but I also think that there has to be some uh, responsibility taken that there's some things that should have been, could have been done differently.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think yeah. the city of Louisville has recognized that with the immense payout that they have already offered the family.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, long before the judgment two weeks ago of Wanton uh, came out, they yeah. had already offered the family $12 million. Yeah.
2: So
1: the tax, the taxpayers of Louisville, are, are, are paying paying for, for that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're paying for it. But that's exactly what we keep seeing in these cities is that, you know, the families will get paid out incredible sums of money because they recognize that they did something wrong, but they won't go on the record and say that they did wrong. Mm. And mm. that unfortunately, so the, the person who did this is not being held accountable. The city's being held accountable. Yeah. And you know, if we're talking about money, I mean, twelve million dollars—that's a lot of dollars, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and if nobody did something wrong, then why pay that much money? Just take yeah. it to the take it to court and prove that these people were in the wrong and yeah. call it a day. If you got a good case, you have a good case. Mm-hmm. But if you know something is wrong and you're trying to cover up your tracks, uh, also trying to co- coerce the boyfriend yeah. to uh, in, you know indicate that this woman who was not involved in anything was somehow connected to something. Mm. That's a problem too, yeah. And so, and so those things. I mean, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Just admit it. Move on. Keep it. Keep it pushing. But yeah, um, I think it. I think it's been handled less than intelligently, mm. and that is where people are still going to call for justice because we see the disparity. Yeah. So when Amber Amber Geiger, um, the killer of Botham John, um, a couple years ago, um, walked into his home you know, and murdered him, um, she got a drug dealer's sentence. You know, mm-hmm. it was very minimal in, in regard to what some other people have gotten.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so when people saw that, you know, it, it's apples and oranges, again. you're comparing two different things and circumstances, but it yeah. seems as though that others are not held to the same standard of, of justice that others are. And so people... People, I mean, we all have eyes to see. Yeah, just a matter of what we're willing to look at. Mm. So, you know, I, I don't think everything in our country is racially motivated mm. by any stretch. But I do think that there are many things that are and still are, and justice has not been one that's been on our side much.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well. <sighs> do you have a, I guess to wrap up, cause I don't want to keep you too long and man, this has been incredible. And I, I thank you for, uh, giving me such, such well thought out perspective. And I appreciate your, uh, you, you, know, your willingness to spend some time with me. And, um, yeah, no. and, uh, I, I, I think the biggest thing that I, and again, I'm so glad that you have harped on this, uh, throughout our conversation is that the church needs to get into action. That I was, we recently, uh, started a, a uh, food pantry and and clothing uh, pantry and stuff like that and and begin to work on some homeless issues in our area uh and someone asked me well you know we've got government grants for that they've got like this why are you worrying about the homeless situation when they're work- they've got a task force for that and i and i kind of had that same argument that you had i said we shouldn't leave it into the hands of the government and the church is just sitting here like the church can do it better the church can can heal their their you know can be a part of healing their soul along with healing the rest of their situations um so i I love that and i think that you're right i think the the church is the answer um when it comes down to it and where it should be um and um so you've you've made some really great points uh what what kind of advice uh, I guess let's just end with this. What type of practical advice uh, do you have for the church for stepping into that role and also for coexisting with each other when we have some some political rubs uh, that, that, that tend to get in the way?
1: My, my biggest advice is keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing for me is my witness yes. to the watching world for Christ. Mm-hmm. So, if there's something in my way um, of, that is not allowing me to be the best representative of Jesus and his, um, his death sacrifice, um, maybe I need to not allow that to take up so much space
2: yeah.
1: in my life, which is why I got away from the politics because it was taking up a lot of space
2: yeah.
1: in my life. Mm. And so, if I have non believers looking at me and other believers dialoguing and not so much dialoguing, but bantering and fighting and seeing the, well, I'm unfriending this person because they are voting for Biden. I think Biden's an idiot. Or I'm unfriending this person because they're voting for Trump and I think Trump's an idiot. I I don't know how anybody could call themselves a believer in Jesus Christ and vote for the Democratic Party. I don't know how anybody can be a a believer in Jesus Christ and vote for someone in the Republican Party. I mean, that type of rhetoric is damaging yeah. to our witness.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: And so the enemy is eating it up.
2: Mm.
1: It really is. I'm not saying do like me and don't vote. I'm just saying search your heart yeah. and figure out what is most important to you. Um, because if it's being correct politically or if it's about being a witness for Christ, we need to put things back into proper perspective. Um, and for me, I had to walk away from it because yeah, if it was yeah. an idol to me, I'm certain it's an idol to others yeah. and we just got to be honest with it. I was honest with it. It, it mm. consumed me. Yeah. And so since it consumed me and I became so motivated and I began to view others through that lens, as suppose through the lens of Christ, mm. like I'm supposed to. Yeah. Um, and so I began to see them as their party Yeah. and not, being created in the image and likeness
0: of God, Amen. Do, and I, do that, church. Yes, and and to have more conversations like this, befriend more people yep. that are different than you. I had it was so cool to hear. Uh, I've got a, a friend in our church that you know is is as staunchly uh, conservative as they come, and uh, you know owns a farm and and has his particular way of doing things. But he had in his line of work, he befriended uh, some you know, some African-Americans and some Hispanics and started to talk. And instead of just, just dealing with them in a professional sense, he started to, to befriend them and have them over for dinner. And man, it's, it's been really interesting and really encouraging to see how he's a lot less harsh. He's and he's a lot more understanding of things that may have even, you know, stand in the face of of some of the things that he's believed before, because he's like, that's not their reality. And I'm just like, yes, this is what we need. This is this is the uh, this is the answer. This is not, you know, um, but we have to be willing to I think you said we have to be willing to to lose friends over it. You know, we have to be willing to, to sacrifice some comfort, uh, and some, and some sleep and some stress and some, you know, uh, and and give of ourselves like, but Hey, that's like you said before, that's, that's what Christ did. He gave of himself. That was how he loved uh, his people and us and you and I, we, we were, we are a beneficiary of, of the sacrifice that he made. And, yeah. and so we should be sacrificing in that same way, uh, to make things, you know, better for other people. So, um, yeah, exactly right, man. amen, dude, I really enjoyed this. Um, and I, and I thank you. I, I didn't intend to go this long, but you had a lot of good stuff and I wanted to make sure we, uh, we did that. And I hope at some point, I really hope, I know I've, uh, I don't, i've got about 30 minutes straight i don't know if my recording started over so i really hope i got everything but i got some stuff and and i think it more than anything I'd, I'd love to at some point and and maybe on a regular basis once i get some things in swing maybe every once in a while uh pull you up and 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 maybe do some more podcast stuff and, and have some more of these conversations because i it's That'd just be wonderful it'd be it was a blessing to me and and man i'm excited to uh you know maybe next time i'm down in charlotte i'll, I'll give you a holler and we'll We'll, we'll we'll get up for some coffee or something like yes. that. yes um, dude i would love that yeah I, it's been a, it's been a little bit since i've been down that way i used to i used to go that way a lot more for work and stuff but uh but i'll have to try to make the trip there next time you're in the uh the big uh city of siler city uh you you just let me know <laughs> I'm sure that happens all the time oh yeah no not at <laughs> <long>. all <laughs> like, that is a city right that's a thing okay cool <laughs> So this has been a special bonus episode of Amen, Brother Ben. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying your week. I miss getting to talk to you guys, but we'll be back with episode 51 very soon. Just keep your eyes uh, and ears peeled for that. Uh, Thanks again to Mr. Corey Gaston. Uh, Such an encouragement uh, from a brother of Christ who had maybe some different uh, perspectives than you were thinking. Uh, So I hope you've enjoyed that. If you have any questions for him or for me, don't forget to uh, hit up amenben.com. Send us an email, uh, leave a voice message, do what you do. Uh, We'll love to talk to you soon.